is the Flex Network. <laughs> this is the Flex Network. Flex on them. Flex on everybody. Oh, yes. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Flex Network. I'm your host, Flex Shane. You can follow me on Twitter at the Flex Network One. I'm joined by my favorite dynasty degenerate, Mr. Alan Sislowski. Follow him on Twitter at Alan Sislowski. Al, how you doing, brother? I, I'm just a regular degenerate, not just the dynasty one, which I do appreciate that intro. But uh, uh, you were, we, you would be my favorite dynasty degenerate as well. But, uh, oh, I appreciate I like that. In real, li- in real life, you're more of a good guy. Well, I mean, I think that's more of a gray area, but we'll go with that. We'll go with that. <laughs> It's the quiet, um, the quiet ones you always have to watch, right? Is that what they say? <laughs> that's that's right. That's right. How many startups have you joined so far this year, Al? So as of taping of this, we're in February 21st. I've done two new startup drafts, uh, dynasty drafts, where you're talking about like 30-man rosters, this, yep. the real all-in. One of them actually is called like the De- Dynasty Degenerates, and the other one um, – was a, a Royal Rumble League. It was, you know, some of them are too tight end. They're all super flex. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I like experimenting with all the different new formats. It's it's interesting, and this is where you know, again, I know it's a it's a long commitment to jump in these dynasty leagues, but uh, I, I'm figuring out new ways to manage them, and especially when they have these massive rosters, there's not much to do other than the rookie draft. The rookie draft is fun. Well, okay, so this is really interesting, Al. So you're in startups right now. How much are you valuing? trying to get those rookie picks and say round one versus getting established players right now. Like this rookie class in general, I'd say is it's pretty deep, right? But you know, you look at certain positions at quarterback, we've got what four or five potential legitimately starting quarterbacks. We, but we have what three, maybe four legitimate running backs. And then there's quite a few wide receivers. So are you willing to say forego some of your early mid round first round picks to, get a guy who's got a few question marks like a Juju Smith-Schuster, somebody like that who the dynasty community has kind of cooled on recently? Are, so are you saying like, would I rather have whoever the eighth pick <laughs> yeah. in the draft is versus an established player? I think that really depends. I mean, I, I always tend to to lean towards the proven commodity uh, yep. being that even just any, include the quarterbacks in that. In first round rookie ADP, um, I mean, there's like a 50% bust rate. 50% success rate, you know, so yep. I mean, you know, if you if you have identified a commodity and I'm not maybe necessarily Juju Smith-Schuster because it has been a wide range of outcomes. But, you know, if you're in um, it, it, I'm trying to think like someone like, say, a running back like Austin Eckler, for example, mm-hmm. who's who's done it. We we know he got injured. We were hopeful that he'll come back next year. I'd always rather have a rock solid player like that than, say, uh, one of the rookie running backs that we'll probably talk about today. How about you? How do you handle all that? Well, Al, we've talked about this. I'm trying to reevaluate my entire perspective, my, my dynasty life, because I'm I'm one of these guys who gets way too enamored by these rookies in the rookie class. We all know. do it, Shane. I mean, don't don't you know? We do first, it. Oh, I know. But first you know step what? Is you admitting know, you have a problem. Exactly. The next step is is solving it. But what if you don't want to be helped, Al? That's that's my question to you. <laughs> oh, I, I've been there. You can't help someone that doesn't want to be helped. Exactly. But I mean, so we, we joined um, a league last year together and it's, it's a, it's a pretty fun league. It's got, it's a two tight end, super flex, all that fun stuff. Right. But you took it down. That's the, the fun and games league. And one of the reasons you took it down was because you're like, shit, man, like I'm going to go after established players Yep. and you're not, you're not afraid to 
give up one of those early, val- you know, potentially valuable rookie picks to win this year. And sometimes forget is don't we play oh, here, this let me give win you, it? I'm going to give you a, an interesting an interesting poll that I saw. So yeah. J- Jordan McNamara of the Football Guys always talks about this poll, and it, I just think it's great. So he put out a poll or he saw a poll, and it said, "What is uh, your favorite part of Dynasty?" And mm-hmm. Only thirty percent. Yeah, thirty percent of people said winning. The other third, like thirty-six percent of people said trading. Like there's people like the end. They favor the means over the ends. Like that is, and yeah. it sounds like you've you've fallen victim to that uh, that that category as well. And we all have. We all have. I mean, listen, that's what's so great about Dynasty. Even when you're losing, you're winning, right? It's oh, it's always fun to rebuild. The funny thing about Dynasty versus say like a season long league is that you 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 try to have this two to three year window, some people longer, some people shorter, but like a multiple year approach. But the thing is, is that we, we forget it's so hard to nail down what the hell is going to happen this year, right? Well, so we, ha- we try to get this crystal ball out. And then like our approach to say like a season long league is often very different to an approach to a dynasty league. And maybe that's not necessarily right. Well, you you know, I, I help the, um, I kind of steward the Roster Watch Dynasty startup rankings. You know, I, yep. I kind of keep them, I form them, I shape them. Obviously, Alex and Byron and the Trash Man, they all have their inputs and and where they form it. But I constantly are in, in debates with them and in battles mm-hmm. with them as about, you know, pushing up guys that are unproven. And my core philosophy is different than, say, Alex, and, and smartly so. He's he's such yep. a sharp player, and he's won these leagues. But he's thinking about Dynasty in three- to four-year windows, and that's definitely an approach. My approach is to think about it as more of a one- to two-year window. Yep. Okay, So like you just said, though, the key, the key to that is that we don't even know what's going to happen this year. How are we going to know what's going to happen next year? Yeah, well, exactly. And this is a good example. So this was a trade that was offered to me at the start of last season. Straight up, my A.J. Brown for the other guys, Devontae Adams. I rejected that trade because I wanted to stick with A.J. Brown, the young phenom. And then, you know, Devontae Adams comes comes out last season and just has like a prolific year, even with missing, what was it, two or three games with the injury. So the question I have to myself is, do I regret not making that trade? And, you know, sometimes I do. And then sometimes, you know, I'm looking at my roster because I think we all kind of do what we roster bait a little bit, right? Mm. And... I'm like, shit, I love having A.J. Brown on my squad right this year. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. And also, at this time last year, uh, we were the fantasy community was leaving Aaron Rodgers for dead. And oh, exactly. not only does he not only does he bounce back, he is the MVP of the league. So if you foresaw that, then maybe you may not have you would have rethought that trade. But I, I think that we often say, oh, if I only knew that, if I only yep. there's I mean, think about it. it. Wasn't if you were high on Aaron Rodgers last year, he was like QB 12. If you were consensus on him he was qb15 and if you were low on him he was probably even like qb20 it's in dynasty startups i mean he was literally an afterthought speaking of an afterthought alan Soslowski, last year at this time we were talking about a guy by the name of mr jalen hurts who you could get in your super flex league mid to late round two he was a guy oh, that you and i were, were talking three, about round three. all last season mm-hmm. yeah Absolutely. That seems like a great move right now, but I can tell you what, man, when I was, so I drafted Jalen Hurts, I don't remember, 2.9, 2.10, something like that last year in our, in our rookie we, draft. We, I think we mocked you for it too. 
We we you mocked me for you. it. Well, mm-hmm. the thing is, I passed on a guy like Antonio Gibson. I passed on a guy like Lavisca Chenault to get Jalen Hurts. And I'm thinking in my head, and I remember I told you because I was on the clock and I spent, you know, I got up early that that day, knowing that it would be my pick shortly. I was watching videos. I was getting excited. I'm like, you know what? I, I got I got to pull the trigger on Jalen Hurts. This is just a guy that I think can be next level in terms of a, a fantasy football QB. And at the time, man, you know. Three quarters through the season, I'm like, oh man, I can't believe I passed on Antonio freaking Gibson for Jalen Hurts. And now it's it's seeming like it's it's probably was the right decision. I don't yeah, know. So it's funny because you know, the other day when I was when I was doing a podcast on the DFS Army feed with the uh, geek, I mm-hmm. said, you know, I, I kind of just threw it out there as a reaction that oh, Jalen Hurts will be a super flex dynasty startup late round one pick now. He's he's about QB ten, he'll go right after Russell Wilson, or you know, right around there, and Russell Wilson's ADP is anywhere from like nine to like fourteen. And then I threw it out there in a Facebook dynasty group, and people I, I couldn't believe it. And again, this is just you know, peanut gallery sort of comments but did no one's convinced that Jalen Hurts is even going to be the starter I even saw people saying that uh the Eagles would draft a QB I'm like six yeah yeah. but I was like wait a second here the whole point of getting rid of Carson Wentz's contract other than you know was because you have a clear a rookie contract and we know the most valuable I the commodity in sports is the 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 capable rookie quarterback on a rookie contract Yep. So now you have it. It's like, I know they're eating some dead cat, but it like, why would they now search for the next? They have it already. So I'm with you. I couldn't even believe there was any resistance. People were saying that Jalen Hurts could be traded for a first round pick during the NFL draft. Bonkers. Why? I mean, yeah. Why? I mean, he, he already showed uh, everything you need to see. I mean, he actually has the revealed upside. Do you uh, in Canada, do you guys have that show? Let's make let's make a deal. I'm oh, sorry, not let's make a deal. What's the one with Monty Hall? Yeah, let's make a deal. Do you remember that? Yeah, yes, I kind of do. Yep. And then I think what's his name? Who's the uh, comedian who hosted it after? Uh, there was another comedian. Oh, I, I never watched his... the show, but yeah, I know, but anyway, I know what the concept is yeah. Yeah. So it, it, there's the Monty Hall. Uh, you know, Scott Pianowski from uh, from Yahoo Sports often talks about the Monty Hall uh, dilemma, the Monty Hall uh, issue, and like when yep. you reveal what you have there. Yep. And you like what you have, why are you going to basically trade it in for something that you haven't seen in hopes that it's better? You know, I mean, Al, it's, it's basically the exact same. Like they've been doing it since game shows since the 1950s. It's you can win this brand new washer and dryer or you could choose between door number two. And right. You have no idea what's behind door number two. It might be a car. Now, if it it's a washer be... and if it's a washer and dryer, no problem. But you already <laughs> have a car. Yeah, Jalen yeah, Hurts yeah. is already. You have a sports car, so yep. hey, we might have a better sports car behind this one, or a bag of peanuts. You know, it's like if it was just a washer and dryer, then sure, maybe you take the gamble. If you have like Andy Dalton, or if you have some middling QB sixteen, but mm-hmm. you have someone, you're hoping to land someone that has the upside of Jalen Hurts. And like I said, you brilliantly identified Hurts early on. And mm-hmm. I was too chicken little to take him. I almost took, I think, um, Darrington Evans in a dynasty Ugh. draft. And you talked me off that in, in another draft that was in. You told me, what the hell are you thinking? And now, I mean, you know, again, I, I salute you, my friend, for uh, for making me see it the clear way. So uh, we will call you an, not a truther of, Jason, of Jalen Hurts, but you are like the Christopher Columbus. Oh my well, goodness. For for Canada, that doesn't really make that doesn't really uh, as a good reference. But you are the discoverer of Jalen Hurts. Let's go with that. I'll, I'll take. Who discovered it. Take Canada? It. I mean, it was the explorers. I am. 
I mean, because, you know, even whether right, wrong, or however you feel about Christopher Columbus, you know, he's credited. Oh, my gosh. With There's, you know what? There's about three or four. You're, gonna, you're taking me back to, like, grade seven social yeah. studies, Al. Like, it's like Jacques Cousteau, and there, there's two or three. I think there was a, a few English guys. Or it was like, it, I mean, because we, we had the whole history of where it was, like, the, the French versus the British for 200 years, right? Got it. But let's not get into a Canadian history lesson. What do you think? So I, I was one of my uh, one of my coworkers. He lives in Philly, and he's like a devout Eagles fan. And when I was chatting with him about this, I was I was asking, okay, so you have Jalen Hurts. One, do you think he's the future? And two, what do you want at six? Right? Because the Eagles are picking at six in the draft. And for one, he said yes. He was ecstatic that Jalen Hurts is now their starter. But two, he's he wanted um, either Devonta Smith or Jamar Chase. At that six spot, I, I mean, I think Chase is kind of like a snap call if he's there at six for the Eagles. Mm. And you know, I, I love Jalen Rager. I don't think he's a one in the NFL, but I think he can be a very good two. And if they can get a guy like Jamar Chase, and then they got to have a guy like Jalen Rager, they of course have Miles Sanders in the backfield, Dallas Goddard. You know, from an offensive perspective, that's a pretty elite group of core players. And look, the Eagles need a lot of help right now. But if they could do that, I mean, they could put up 25, 30 points a game, which we know, you know, some of the teams that made the playoffs this year, they were averaging 31, 32, 33 points per game. That's what you need to do in today's NFL. So I could see that. I, that would make me excited. Yeah. Yeah. I, that, I, that's the game plan, right? That yep. I think that the Eagles will take a off uh, a Jamar Chase if he's there he probably won't be uh, I'm not as uh, I'm among the Devontae Smith doubters uh, mm-hmm. I mean this I've heard you know you hear chatter who the hell knows what's true yeah. but if this guy weighs in at 165 pounds I mean there's not a long history of 170 pound wide receivers now I know he has elite skills and there's probably people that are a lot more uh, have done a lot more tape study than I have at this point that like him. But I'm just looking at like the profile, and I mean, is it, it from what you've seen already? Is Devontae Smith like this all-time receiver that deserves to go in the top ten, or is he is he more like, hey, he's a rock solid guy. He's more he's he's probably better than uh, Hollywood Brown. Uh, he's the best, or is he more? He, I mean, it, I 165, 170 pounds. That's going to be a problem in the NFL. Here's the difference between a guy like Marquise Brown, a guy like Henry Ruggs, and a guy like Devonta Smith. So what I mean is like these are all kind of smaller, slighter, athletic players. I feel like Devonta Smith, say what you want, that Jalen Waddle was on the same pace, and I love Jalen Waddle, but Devonta Smith did it. Just like two years ago, three years ago, people are shitting on um, Michael Thomas that all he could do was bubble screens, right? Mm-hmm. Well, so can Devonta Smith, like he produced, right? You can't take that production away from somebody. I think that if he's in a right offense, then, you know, a, a creative offense that can get him the ball, ball in his hands and, and let him do work. That's where he's going to be successful. Well, let um, me ask you this. Let me ask you this. So let's yeah. say he's not in the right offense. Let's just say he's in an NFL offense. Let's say the Giants take him at like 10 or wherever they're picking. Yeah. I mean, are you still as bullish on, uh, on Smith if, if he's in a an offense like the Giants, not really, to be honest with you. But mm-hmm. but you'd man, still let me. But here you go. But would you be bullish on Jamar Chase if the Giants moved up to take him? I feel like Jamar Chase is the kind of player that's going to be able to thrive in any situation. Okay, so there you go. That's so there the you go. Yeah. So if that's it, so if I'm just going on what you just said mm-hmm. there, you don't take a wide receiver that needs to be situationally appropriate 
in the top five, seven, eight picks. You take a guy no. that can transcend situation. That's what you're looking for in a top eight pick. You're looking for a blue chip player that can doesn't matter what team or what situation is on. He is. You hope that he can break through or elevate everyone else. That is what I believe. You if you have a top five, seven, eight, ten pick that you need to make sure of happens because you never know when conditions on your team deteriorate. You don't want your first round pick to be blanked. No, of course. Trust me. I agree with you hundred percent. I think that where Devonta Smith should go was probably late first round where, you know, kind of like maybe 15 to 20 or even where did Brendan Ayuk go? Did he go? Uh, he went in the twenties. He went like twenty. Well, the, and also the 49ers would have taken him at 13 or whatever that pick was. Yep. They knew that he would still be there. So they traded yep. back. Well, and that's the thing, right? Like, I don't think we should we should forget the fact that Devonta Smith did win the Heisman Trophy. And Scout, wide scouts, receivers, don't, scouts don't care about that, though. But but like we, we talk about it all the time, right? We talk about it from fantasy football perspective. We don't care what the name is. If this guy's scoring me fantasy points, right? Who the fuck cares, right? right. And that's kind of my approach with Devonta Smith. Like, I, I, there's other guys I would take ahead of him in my rookie drafts right now, right? I'm not saying Devonta Smith is even like my number one. Probably he's in my top five for sure, but I still am trying to iron that out. That's going to be landing spot dependent, um, but I don't see him falling any further than my top five because I go back to the fact that this guy has put up production in college against college, like elite level talent from a college perspective, right? He's obviously athletic. I, I just think that there's there's this narrative on Twitter right now, and it, Twitter can be amazing, but it can also be like a cesspool, right, for hate and just negativity. I think that people are giving Devonta Smith too much of a hard time for his weight. Like you talk about drafting guys in the first round that are light, like. How much did um, Marquise Brown weigh coming out? One sixty-five. I think it was, it was. He was like a one seventy-five. But yeah, I, I understand. You know, it's it, there's just not a long history of of players no. like that being blue chip top ten players. He would be look. He would be an outlier. Let's let's call it what it is, right? If he if he goes and he he's successful in the NFL, he would be an outlier. But couldn't you argue that he was a bit of an outlier in college as well? Yes. Yeah. No. I'm not. I'm not a hater. I yeah. In a in a very important league that I'm in, one that's a higher stakes dynasty draft, I have pick six, so I'm probably mm. going to be faced mm-hmm. with with that choice. Do I take Devontae Smith or do I take Kyle Pitts or do mm-hmm. I go to the next running back or do I take QB three? I mean, I'm going to have that decision. That's why I'm trying to get as many uh you know data points as i can before it happens i'm glad you brought up kyle pitts um so i was driving out I, I, about a three-hour drive yesterday between uh, where i had to go and so i was listening to the to my serious and i typically will listen to nfl radio but you know depending on the commercials i, I can't stand commercials so i flip around and i was listening to espn a little bit and to be honest with you i don't love the espn radio but they were talking about the nfl draft so I was intrigued. I started listening to it. And some of these guys, they were mocking Kyle Pitts in a, as a top five pick in the draft this year. And I understand that he's an elite talent. I understand that he might be one of the best prospects, tight end prospects ever, maybe, you know, top five. Is he worth a top five pick in the NFL draft, Al? I mean, if you if he's if you have him as a top player on your mm-hmm. board, then yeah. I mean, you're not gonna take him just because you need a tight end because he's not really a tight end. He's a wide receiver who is going to qualify a tight end. I mean, how much blocking is he really going to do in the NFL? So if uh, I think that no, to mock anyone, I mean, it, it is ridiculous because yeah. you could do it for, if you maybe don't have, maybe you have him as the 20th best player on your board. If you're an NFL radio host and you're like, Oh, I would never take him in the top five. Fine. But yeah. if a team 
who has millions and millions of dollars invested into scouting, into uh, putting their board together, has him there. I mean, why wouldn't you take him? He's not going to be there when you pick again. That's true. That's very true. Al. Same thing we do in the NFL, you know, in our, yeah. our drafts when everyone's like, oh, reach. Oh, my God. You took that player uh, ahead of the and then you're like, no, this player wasn't going to be here when it came back the other way. I don't care that I reached for Taysom Hill and, you know, ahead of Tom Brady and all these other guys because I want yep. Taysom Hill or whatever, you know, example you want to get. How about so you? Where are you on pits? Uh, well, I, I mean, you can't deny his talent, right? I'm mm -hmm. just, I don't know. I So when I was doing my initial rankings, typically when I'm doing my rankings, it's based off of Superflex tight end premium. And I was kind of at that uh, inflection point, same with you, Alec, right around the six, seven point are, do you want to go and get a player like Devonta Smith who has some question marks? Or are you more open to getting a guy like Kyle Pitts? Um, would you want to pull a trigger on like a Zach Wilson, a Trey Lance? Because we do know in Superflex, those positions are extremely valuable. The only thing that kind of gives me a little bit of shock in terms of choosing Kyle Pitts is like uh, Kyle Pitts is a top five, six pick is I look at a guy like Evan Ingram. I look at a guy like David Njoku, uh, even TJ, TJ Hawkinson, who is probably a top three or four dynasty tight end right now. But if he's on your team, is he really the reason you're making the playoffs or winning your league? I would argue that he's not right. And, or even OJ Howard, like OJ Howard's another guy that I just, there's just so much, you know, there's so much hate right now for a guy like OJ Howard and he's showing glimpses of it. But then finally this year, okay, he's got Tom Brady, Tom Brady throws to the tight ends and he gets injured, right? It's, or before, before the season yeah. even starts. And then you see Cameron Braid have a pretty reasonable season, right? So I just, I don't know. I'm a little bit reluctant whether or not I would choose a Kyle Pitts over a Trey Lance or Zach Wilson, or even the, you know, that second tier of wide receivers with like a Jalen Waddle or Rondell Moore. That's I, I'm still uncertain right now. And I just worry that if you still have to wait two or three years for this first round pick, wouldn't you rather have a talent that can immediately make an impact on your team? Oh yeah. Uh, no, no doubt. No doubt. I mean, it, uh, Kyle Pitts undoubtedly will be a top 10 rookie starter. I mean, not rookie star, rookie uh, draft pick immediately. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, both in the real NFL draft, probably a top yep. 15 pick. And in yep. the your rookie dynasty leagues, he's top seven or eight pick. You know, I mean, he'll probably go around that seven, eight. And there's nothing more valuable than having an advantage at, at tight end. So if he does yeah. pan out to be one of those guys, and especially in a premium league, I mean, think about how valuable having Darren Waller or Travis Kelsey is in your leagues. Yep. If you're double PPR, start two tight end. I mean, that you can't replace that but you like you said you have identified example after example of prospects that were touted to be the next savior at the tight end position and it just hasn't happened um so yeah it would again it, and you make great points that uh some of the wide receivers the running backs and certainly the quarterbacks are there but you know how many quarterbacks flame out how many of them become blaine gabbert you know how many of them uh go by the wayside christian ponder we can what just go was uh, I, I can't remember who put it out on Twitter. It might have been like Adam Schefter or something like that. But what was it? Zero quarterbacks drafted in the first round between 2010 and 2016 were currently on their team. Like that's an astounding stat. The well, fact that it's just so hard to hit in the NFL at one of these starting QBs. Yeah, even the best guys are, are bad at, at evaluating QBs. I mean, no, no greater recent example than Mitch Trubisky going at two ahead of Pat Mahomes no. and Deshaun Watson, right? Yeah, of uh, course. So, and, and that's another reason, by the way, that... Um, 
Howie Rossman, uh, I'm I'm really interested in this move with Jalen Hurts because he's he I've read a couple articles where he had said that he kicks himself because he had Russell Wilson queued up in the second round when yeah. the Eagle in that year of that draft and said, hey, you know what, I'll get him in the next round. You know, it'll be too much of a reach to take Russell Wilson in the second. And then Seattle picked them right before yeah. the Eagles picked them. Yeah. And now he said Jalen Hurts reminded him a lot of Russell Wilson. So he's like, yep. I'm not doing that again. So he selected him in the second round. Everyone called it a reach, right? Everyone called yep. it a reach when it happened because he was originally a third round quarterback. So good for Howie. He didn't make the same mistake twice. So I think that applies again to, to our fantasy drafts too. If you don't, if you identify a player and you like him and it's a round or two early, it's okay to take him if you don't think he's going to be there. And I don't remember exactly what we were talking about there. Oh, about taking quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, it, Versus you know, like a Kyle Pitts. Yeah, I mean, yep. it really depends on what your team needs and and what you think the upside is. Uh, I, I think that you know Kyle Pitts is definitely more like a wide receiver than he is a, a tight end. And if you can, if you think he's going to be, um, you know, and again, what, let's see what team gets him. If it's a team like, you know, I mean, what team is uh, if it's a team that's going to use the tight end, and we know that they do a lot, then hey, maybe it does make sense. Just think of him like a wide receiver. Yeah, I'm just laughing in the chat here. Our boy Clipboard Jesus talks about how he, how he had such high hopes for Jake Locker, and it's just uh, like it's <laughs> just it's Locker. a perfect example, right? Yeah. I mean, look, oh, even man. if you even if you drafted Blake Bortles, you're like, oh my yep. god, I hit for fantasy. This is great. And then two years, yeah. he's out of the league. This is the point I was going to make about quarterbacks. Everyone when they draft these quarterbacks, oh, I'm going to have this guy for ten years. No, I think that you have to again understand, like last year in startups. I don't know. It was quite obvious to me that when you were people were taking Teddy Bridgewater because he was in a good situation that like that's like a one year guarantee thing. I think that, yeah. you know, when you look at someone like Carolina this year, pick eight, they're likely going to take a quarterback. And I don't I think the under over on Teddy Bridgewater game started this year is like, what, seven and a half, maybe nine and a half. If you want to get crazy, if, if they draft a quarterback and if it's somebody, somebody like Trey Lance or Zach Wilson, because I. I think Justin Fields is going to go at two to your Jets. I would be shocked if he didn't. I, I just he's I, don't be shocked because a lot of the talk now is that Zach I know. Wilson's going to. I know, I know, and that's why I would be shocked because yeah. I don't think Zach Wilson is a top talent. But again, what what the hell do I know, right? If these if these NFL evaluators can't even get to the QB position, right? What do I know? But I'm just not a big Zach Wilson guy in general. Um, so I guess the, then the question becomes, Al. Do you think that any of these running backs, you know, the top end running backs are uh, round one NFL talents? Maybe not talents, because even if they are, quote, a, a round one talent, NFL teams are getting smarter, right? We saw round two was kind of the sweet spot last year for a lot of these high, these elite running backs. Do you think that we see maybe like a Najee Harris or a Travis Etienne or somebody else go in the first round of the draft this year? I personally do not think so. I don't think that, it, you know, I've seen mocks where Atlanta takes a running back in, in the middle of the round. If they, if they trade back or if they already own the pick and I haven't seen ETN mocked in the first round, but the, it just, I, I would bet against it. I think that the, if the number on all the sports books is a half on, yep. uh, I'm going to take the, sorry, uh, if it's one and a half, I'm definitely hitting the under. If it's a half, that's a tougher situation because obviously a team could do it, especially a contender that feels like they're running back away. We saw it last year with Kansas City. They took uh, with the very last pick because you do get that fifth year out of a running back. So that means you get all of their max, you know, you get all of their useful years in their first contract. Now, as we've seen now, is that running backs are getting a little bit smarter. I know they don't have a ton of holdout leverage, but. 
what if they have a good agent they're working for a new deal in year three if they've already proved in the first couple of years so i do not see uh that harris going in the first round but obviously he's the only guy that probably would etn is more of a second round um a second round appropriate player but uh you know i i was listening to um mario puig uh, he has a great podcast where he talks about the rookies and he has etn one over Najee Harris, and I kind of agree with him. He he made a compelling case that uh, Travis Etienne has a lot of the same traits and characteristics of Jamal Charles, and uh, even okay. but even almost like a better prospect. So, uh, if you're a team, why are you gonna? If again, it depends on how you have those guys weighted. Uh, the short answer is, I would not see a running back going in round one this year. Well. Our, our friends over at Roster Watch, who of course you are now part of Roster Watch, Al, I contribute. Um, contribute, yes, contributor. Um, have Najee Harris similar to like a, a Matt Forte type prospect. Yeah, a lot. I mean, that's that yeah, that makes me excited. That type of prospect makes me excited. I agree with you though, man. I, I don't, I don't see any of these running backs being taken in the first round. Well, and, well, here you go. Shane, answer this. Yeah. Where would yes. you like go back to your mindset of the rookie running backs last year? Where would you yep. slot? Harris and ETN now knowing what you know now about them yep. versus what knowing what you know, but like rank all of where does Harris fit in and where do you slot uh, ETN in? So that, I do I, have Najee Harris ahead of Travis ETN. Okay. Um, so where would Harris go in the ranking? Man, that's tough, right? I, I, I have Najee Harris probably right around. Well, I mean, to be honest with you, I'm so I have Cam Akers as my RB2 in that class from last year. So I've okay, got JT, so let's Jonathan Taylor. Way. I'm going to give yeah. you a, a better way to do it. Okay. L knowing what you know now, who, let's go back to our rookie last year. Who Who is the RB1 for you in Dynasty? Jonathan Taylor. Who's number two? Cam Akers. Who's number three? DeAndre Swift. Four. This is where I'm considering either like a J.K. Dobbins or Najee Harris. To me, that's kind of the spot okay. right there. So both of them ahead of Gibson. Yeah, yeah, I, I I think so. You know, it's Gibson's tough, but I worry about the Washington situation in general. Okay, and I, I don't want to get pigeonholed into that. But all right, so let's keep going. Let's go. Yeah. So you have so you have uh, Harris here, you have yep. ETN here, then you have probably have Gibson and Dobbins. That's your cluster, and then where James yep. Robinson after that. I have James Robinson and and people look, I, I feel like people have just forgotten about what James Robinson did last year. Well, they did. And I, I have a, well go here and then let me rebut. I interrupted you. Go ahead. Okay. Talk about James Robinson. Cause I think he's the most interesting of them all for the reason that you're mm. probably about to say. Yeah. People are talking about how the Jaguar should take a running back in the draft this year because they have so many picks, but they have so many problems. Why the hell would you take an early round running back, one of these elite players, when you have you found your guy in James Robinson? I don't buy the narrative that, well, you know, he was an undrafted rookie, therefore they're going to just move on. No, it's hey, look, we know what we have in James Robinson. I'm not look. There's they might draft one of these, maybe they draft like a Michael Carter or something like that, right? Which then you wonder if he, if it's going to take a few of those third down touches away from James Robinson. But when you have a player that did it, that he produced, and Every every report is that well that you would think logically the Jags are going to get better this year, right? Um, Trevor Lawrence was no um, he he knew how to use his running backs. He he knew how to throw the running backs, and the fact that James Robinson proved it, I think that the fact that like James Robinson is now at the bottom of that cluster, and he's going what mid second round. I, to me, it's like he should be 
I'm sorry, like mid third round. I'm seeing him fall into the mid third rounds. To me, he's like a late second round guy. If I can get James Robinson, if I'm at like one of the top three picks and I can get James Robinson at the, right around the two, three turn, I am snapping that call because I think he's going to be productive. And yeah, maybe he's not going to have the same market shares last year where of like 86% of touches. But what if he still has 70 touches or 70% of that market share? Like that's still considered a bell cow. And what if he's more productive? What if he's better in his year two? Yeah, I, I think that there's um, there's a, a wide chasm between the real value of James Robinson and what yeah. his li- liquid value is, what he could be traded for, and yes. I think that they're both correct. You know, okay. I mean, James Robinson dominated touches. He literally shoved um, Leonard Fournette off the team. He yep. shoved uh, any other competition away from him, and he literally grabbed hold of the starting job. So we yep. know he's there from a talent perspective, but draft pedigree does matter. So, cause what happens and it didn't happen last year. If James Robinson fumbles twice in two games, or if he has three mediocre games in a row, I'm just saying generally yeah. that he's not going to have as long of a leash as maybe a, you know, a second round or a first round rookie like Clyde Edwards Lair. Imagine he had performances like Clyde Edwards Lair. They'd already just tried the next guy. Now the second part, there's three parts. To this. The second part is that, the Jags are going to either sign or draft a, a, a running back because yeah. Reichwell Armstead is basically, he was on the COVID list all year, and Divino Zigba was just a warm body. So they don't necessarily need an RB1. They need an RB2 and an RB3. So they're going to have to acquire guys. So James yeah. Robinson is going to have to dodge about five free agent running backs, plus he's going to have to dodge guys drafted on day one or day two. So now if the Jaguars draft a a running back on day three or four, you know, in round four or yep. five, no problem. If they sign someone like Brian Hill to be the backup, no problem. We're still, yep. I mean, we're not going to be afraid of that, but here's the, here's the danger with James Robinson. At least what I believe the market thinks is that even if they sign, say Kenyon Drake, even yep. if it's Todd Gurley, who we all agree is obviously not Todd Gurley. Anymore, James Connor, Jamal Williams, if the Packers let him go. Right. Yep. So, but I'm saying that these players can, uh, hurt the usage because if the if the Jaguars just say uh dra- uh sign James Conner, I mean James Conner's gonna get eight to eleven touches, right? He's gonna get seven to nine touches per game. That then appropriately slots. So there's a lot of dodging of uh of proverbial bullets that mm-hmm. the the James Robinson needs to do in order to make it through. Whereas but, some but of the other running every backs, team like that Al every team has DeAndre Swift back- doesn't have to dodge those bullets. Okay, yeah, DeAndre Swift is, but, but and, well, why this wouldn't the tier, this is the tier we're talking about him in? Yeah. We're talking about him in this in this world. Okay, in this, in this bookended tier with the rookie running backs, cam makers, all those guys. Yeah. Okay. No, I think that's a fair. That's a fair, very fair point. I think Cam Akers, I mean, one of the reasons I was so high on him last year was just the fact that we've seen what the Rams like to do with their with the running backs. And it took most of the season to get there. But when we got there, oh my God. It was exciting, right? And, and you would assume that there's going to be that usage again next year just because he was so damn good. My question to you, Al, dynasty aside, let's just talk about redraft leagues. You, you're on the clock. You've got J.K. Dobbins or James Robinson. J, and, and we've already talked about a guy that we like late in drafts is Gus Edwards. Mm-hmm. Who are you taking, J.K. or James Robinson? I, I think that it's... So you're talking about like in a best ball draft, right? Like, best ball draft yeah. right now. You so know, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you the cowardly answer. Then I'm going to give oh, you no. a little bit more like a real man answer. Okay? okay. So the cowardly answer is, and it's the truthful answer is that I'm going to do about 45 best balls this season. I knew and you I'm, were going this way. I knew you're yeah. going that direction. 
anyway, and I'm and I'm going to diversify my profile. Yeah, I'm going to have yeah. I'm going to have uh, probably if I'm faced with that decision and to say hypothetically all 40, 45 best balls, I'm literally yep. going to have 50% share each because there's no way to tell. But if it was to say it was like a thousand dollar best ball and I only get one shot, yep. I probably would feel more comfortable at this point in February with JK Dobbins. Although I concede that the upside of James Robinson is probably better yeah. because, but knowing that I have to dodge all those free agents and day one and day two rookie running backs, I know what JK Dobbins role is going to be. I think that's fair. Look, I love JK. And correct me if I'm wrong, but kind of like pre-draft process, JK was he was in your conversation for the top prospect. Yeah, right? I have I had Swift as one, Dobbins as two. Right. And, and look, I mean we're splitting hairs here, right? Like it these guys are all so good. They're so talented. I think that if you're sitting at that point in the draft, it's okay, whoever falls to me, if it is a JK Dobbins, I'll be happy to pull the trigger on JK Dobbins. If it's James Robinson, I'm happy to pull the, the trigger on James Robinson. It's I mean, it's going to be a fun year, but one thing that I'm learning pretty quickly, Al, is that if you don't get at least one of these solid running backs in the first 3 odd rounds, it's it's hairy, man. Yeah. you know, around runs five, six, seven, like, and there aren't even like really a lot of just, um, lottery ticket players that you can go for that could potentially like, there's no James Robinson's yet, but right. well, if I guess we didn't know about James Robinson. Right. Right. But if you're in the fourth round and yep. you're, you're face, you've only have one running back so far, you're faced with take, you know, you're going to have to push up running backs like Kareem Hunt, Chris Carson, who is not a lock to be back with the team. So, I, and I know, you know, it was a little bit of a sucker's bet last year, but I think going robust running back so far is how I was gravitated, basically taking a running back in the first three rounds of uh, all of my best ball drafts. Cause I want yeah. um, my rock solid RB1, whether it's Zeke, even on the lower end of that, or if it's, you know, Dalvin Cook, Kamara, whatever it is. And then in round two, I want the James Robinson or uh, or Swift or one of those guys. And then round three, I want Antonio Gibson. I even want David Montgomery. I mean, you can debate if people believe in him or not. But I want to yep. come out with three guys that have roles and have jobs, and then I'll hit my wide receivers. Yeah. So we're going to end it shortly here, Al. There's just one little point because I think you kind of nailed it here. I'm looking at, at underdog ADPs right now. And when I look at the third round, these are all the current running backs that are going in round three of uh, early best balls. We got James in this in, in this order: James Robinson, Josh Jacobs, Joe Mixon, Miles Sanders, Clyde Edwards-Helaire, and then Najee Harris. And then after that, I mean, there's a few guys in early round four, like the David Montgomerys of the world. But if you miss on, say, say you went wide receiver, wide receiver, and then if you miss on one of those bunches of, of running back there, it's kind of like the lifeline. I'm worried for my team construction. I'm worried about it. Yeah. I mean, you know, you don't have to convince me. I, I'm robust running back the whole way for better. I love for it. Worse. I love it. Um, early on, I've, I've, I think I'm, I'm now in six best balls. Um, four to the six of them. I'm choosing around the end of the round, either the, the, the 12 or like right on, you know, the 11, 12 turn. And I definitely prefer my teams where I'm in the middle or early drafting. That's just, to start it out because you can come back in early round three and get one of those running backs to solidify your team. But it's going to be fun. I mean, there's so much time left and this is what we live for. Al. Oh yes. So let's Our end passion. it there. Let's tell the good people where they can find you. Uh, I'll make it quick at Alan Soslowski on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, 
come see me. A uh, ton of uh, content. Every week I'm doing an article for our friends over at Dynasty Depot where I, I yep. talk about or I write about risers and fallers and then also doing a video talking about Dynasty uh, Dynasty risers and fallers over at Roster Watch YouTube page. So go check that out over there. And of course, every week with the geek on the DFS Army uh, uh, podcast feed, subscribe to that, the Bold Call podcast. Uh, where we just talk about best ball all day, all night. And then, Shane, hopefully uh, a couple times a month at least uh, yep. that you and I will, if not weekly, get back to doing the Dynasty talk because uh, I've always enjoyed doing this with you. We love it. I mean, we, we, we've we been going about every two weeks or so early in the season, but we'll as a, a we're, we're going to get back, yeah, we're going to get back to a rhythm of weekly. Of course, ladies and gentlemen, you can follow us on Twitter at the Flex Network One. We really appreciate it. If you like what you've been listening to, please like. If you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe. If you're on Twitter, please retweet. We appreciate it. We love you. Al, for Flex Matt, we are the Flex Network. This is the Flex Network. <laughs> this is the Flex Network. Flex on them. Flex on everybody. This right here is the Flex Network. Yeah. Oh.